Gen we don't we don't things. endorse that here. Some Benadryl, <laughs> Benadryl, Nyquil, those are legal. <laughs> Brotherly Cubs, brought to you by Benadryl. <laughs> brought to you uh, by Big Pharma. <laughs> Big Pharma, yeah. One two, swinging a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert. Back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Burrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. Welcome back to the Brotherly Cubs podcast. I'm Zach, and this is my brother, John. We are your brothers who love everything Cubs baseball. If you enjoy talking about the Cubs, then hit that subscribe button. Turn on the notifications and join us every week as we dive into the power, the speed, and the best team in the National League. We like to start off each podcast with a playful question for all 21 of our subscribers. Feel free to put your answer in the comments. Today, John, I ask you, what are Hibernation Jed Hoyer's Favorite tips for falling asleep if you're having trouble getting sleep at night? I think he's definitely listening to all of these podcasts that are out talking about belly and there's so many. <laughs> I think he definitely just puts those on and just has it on loop. You know, I mean, there's been so much <laughs> coverage about him. And I think I was just thinking about what kind of person Jed is and or at least what I perceive him to be and he just kind of has this smug look to himself all the time, it feels like, um, even though he's probably like way different than that or something, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I would, I would imagine he, he's one of those people that has those, you know, those, the, the black, like the face mask on the, oh, the yeah. mask that goes over the eyes. I've never like tried that before. Yeah. yeah. I've always wondered, you know, what that, what that is like to wake up and then it's just like, you know, <laughs> would you freak out, you know, like, I don't know. I've always oh. wondered that. So, <laughs> your thoughts? What is he listening to, Zach? I think he's doing a nice little white noise type thing. Maybe listening to some rainfall, <laughs> maybe some meditation, some positive affirmations. <laughs> um, there's one Rachel and I, my wife, like to joke about one of the meditations we listen to, where a Swedish guy says, "You are doing good." <laughs> <laughs> That's and, just like uh, uh, like in that show. Um, uh silicon valley mm -hmm. <laughs> gavin gavin belson has his his uh i don't know what he is like a life coach or whatever that's like right uh, yeah i jed's <laughs> got the jed's got the works to me he's like a ceo of a fortune 500 company or like a big tech company it's yeah. probably a pretty stressful job but i imagine he's got some drugs some nyquil i shouldn't say drugs some legal drugs but he probably has some prescription. We don't. We don't things. endorse that here. Some Benadryl. <laughs> Benadryl, Nyquil. Those are legal. <laughs> Brotherly Cubs brought to you by Benadryl. <laughs> brought to uh, you by Big Pharma. <laughs> Big Pharma. Yeah. Uh, I just. I was just thinking. Um, you know, speaking of white noise, he probably has uh, Carter Hawkins um, just right next to his ear at night, just going shh. <laughs> That's what I imagine. That's right. all. Carter Hawkins, I feel like, does not do much. He really is just like a lot of it falls on Jed, I feel like. I wonder what his actual job is within the front office as the general manager, because that used to mean a, a big position. Yeah. But these days, the president of baseball operations is the head honcho and the GM is I'm not even sure. Maybe it's a, a particular skill set that that just, GM brings, such as scouting or pitching. It things just goes like that. on. He just goes on top of the roof and, you know, like Big Head from Silicon Valley. He just 
He just sits there like, what is my job? And I, oh, I mean, yeah. That's a... <laughs> he didn't even know what his job was. <laughs> right. They pay him to just to just hang out, basically. Right. <laughs> so let's let's move on to the latest news around the league. The reason this pod has uh, got us excited. Hector mm -hmm. Neris signed with the Cubs one year deal worth nine million dollars. And CJ Edwards also signed with the Cubs on a minor league deal. So the string bean slinger is back. He was a pretty formidable reliever for a few years before he sort of fell off around 2019, 2020. He went to the Nats for a couple of years, and now he's back on a minor league deal. And so a few bullpen pieces started to fall recently. Matt Moore signed with the Angels, also worth $9 million. Another lefty off the board. We've already talked about Chapman, Stevenson, and Hayter. Uh, the A's signed Alex Wood on a one-year deal. I don't think the full contract deals are fully out yet, but it's the A's, so I don't know if anyone really cares about them. Uh, just mm -hmm. another depth piece the Cubs could have added, and they're still possibly TBD on if they want to add another rotation spot or if they're going to add more bullpen or if they're going to sign Cody Bellinger. There's still a few different ways they can go under the luxury tax. So... The Hector Neris deal was is interesting because it also has incentives in terms yeah. of getting a player option. That. Yeah, he has a player option up to twenty three million. Is uh, that correct for the total value of the contract? I think total it's value, worth about okay. I think it's worth about twelve million the following year. But if oh, he, okay. it's only if he appears in sixty games, so roughly pitches sixty innings. Okay, and taking a quick perusal at his numbers. He pitches generally between, you know, 40 to 70, I should say 50 to 80 innings per year. So mm -hmm. really his lowest was during the COVID year. Okay, that doesn't count. Other than that, when he was pitching 70 to 80 innings a year, mm -hmm. his lowest was 47. So it was actually a pretty good shot. It's essentially, hey, if you stay healthy, you can come back on a $12 million deal. There's also $2 million worth of incentives on that deal. So this is kind of an interesting contract because it reminds me of the Imanaga signing mm -hmm. where not necessarily the vetting a player option based on innings, but it's more like, hey, there's there's player and team options, you know, based on how well that, that year or two goes, essentially. Mm -hmm. So there were some rumblings around the league earlier in the offseason that Hector Neris might sign for three years, 30 million or more, or sorry, three years, 50 million even. So he took a lot less. This is more like two for 23 with incentives and full player option. Like that's the full max that this deal can get to. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting, but I will say that a lot of options are off the board. What do you think is the next best bullpen target for the Cubs if they choose to sign another reliever? So they have some options. They have, I've heard Tanner Scott from the Marlins mentioned as a left-handed pitcher. Um, he had 104 strikeouts, he had a 0.987 whip, he had 12 saves, he had a 2.31 ERA. So he had a really um, whistling numbers there, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, he's definitely a, I mean, he would be a trade candidate. He's not in free agent. He's not a free agent. So unfortunately, we couldn't just outright sign him. We'd have to trade one or two valuable prospects or maybe more, depending on how much we could we could or how much the Marlins are willing to negotiate. So 
Wandy Peralta of the Yankees last year. Um, well, actually, you know what? Let me go back. Um, I'm going to backtrack to Scott Alexander. So Scott Alexander, another left-handed pitcher from the Giants. He is, he's a free agent. He had a 1.36 whip, so not amazing, but still pretty solid. He had 31 strikeouts and in uh, 48 innings pitched. Hmm. So not, okay. it's a lesser option than Tanner Scott, but yeah. definitely, I mean, we need lefties, so he could possibly be um, he could fit in. Wandy Peralta of the Yankees, as I was saying, he he has a 5.05 FIP, FIP, wow, um, which is kind of high. That's <laughs> that's a little bit high. I was reading up that four four and under is kind of like four is about I think league average, mm -hmm. but then once you get to like 5.0 or higher, it's it's pretty poor. Um, 56 innings pitch, so not not the best option. Ah, does he strike anybody out? I mean, I wonder if um, he had progression. He had 51 Ks in 56 innings. So, I mean, you would like mm -hmm. that to be a little bit higher. Yeah. Per inning pitch. You want at least, you know, maybe one and a half, one and a half strikeouts per inning pitch. That would be pretty decent, but. Yeah. Um, wow. Brad Hand. So Brad Hand has been like, I believe, 12 or 13 years now. Um, definitely, you know, the more veteran of the bunch. Uh, 1.41 whip. He has a 4.02 uh, FIP. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. I mean, pretty good. Again, that looks at stats that are strictly controlled by the pitcher, not necessarily, um, you know, relying on positional player influence. Is he still striking people out? Is it his age in his late mid to late 30s, I guess? Is he... I know he used to have a kind of like a wipeout slider, but I'm curious if Brad Hand is is going to be the one to come on in, in a leverage situation and, and get some punch outs. Um, let me see. I'm going to check fan graphs real quick, so just bear with me. He had 9.89 strikeouts per nine innings. Solid. Pretty solid. solid. His home run, so he gave up um, six home runs, 33 earned runs, um, 54 hits. I'm trying to see his strikeout to walk percentage was 15%. Hmm. Or the difference between strikeout percentage oh, and K walk. minus. Yeah. K, yeah. K minus uh, walk percentage. There we go. Um, his K percentage, so strikeout percentage was 25%. Um, you'd like that to be what, Zach? Would you say around 30%? 30 would be elite, essentially. Yeah. 30 would be elite. Over 25 is good, and under 10% walk is good. So the 15% margin between the two is actually solid. I was going to bring up the um, another stat on Tanner Scott real quick, just because he's my primary sure. uh, left-handed relief oh, yeah. um, that I wanted to share with you. Um, so I was looking at, it was after... Free all-star break and after the all-star break stats. Hmm. Yeah. And he had some really good numbers on like on-base percentage. Let's see if I can find it real quick. I had it up. I'm going to pitch it to you. I'll, I'll look and see if I can <laughs> find it, but it was really good. He, he basically, he essentially lowered the on-base percentage 
um, the slugging percentage, I believe it was um, during the second half of, of 2023. So he's, I don't exactly have the numbers up right now, but um, very impressive. Uh, he's definitely one that I would consider as a trade candidate that Jed should prioritize. Right. Jacob, Jacob Sonola, I, I took that name from him, Tanner Scott, and I think he got it from someone else or he reposted a tweet, but definitely a premier option as far as a left-handed pitcher. We do have Luke Little, obviously coming up in the bullpen. I don't know about Bailey Horn. I don't think he would necessarily break camp, but yeah, yeah there's some options. I think they're going to rely on Drew Smiley a lot. I agree that another lefty needs to be added. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Tanner Scott would have those strikeout numbers are pretty wild. Mm -hmm. That's something the Cubs need is a guy who can come on in high leverage and get lefties out. If you're looking at either righties that don't hit lefties very well or a few lefties in a row, heck, even two lefties in a row, man on first and second, one out. Can mm -hmm. you get two lefties out in a row? And if and if it's Tanner Scott that's on there in the seventh or eighth inning, it doesn't matter if he's a closer, if it's a high leverage appearance. Now, what the Cubs did with signing Hector Neris is they got a, a right-handed pitcher mm -hmm. who I was surprised that he didn't didn't throw over 95 consistently, but he has a wipeout splitter. Mm -hmm. So for the audience that doesn't know about a splitter against a lefty, that's a pitcher, that's a pitch that Mark lighter junior through a lot last year a splitter neutralizes a righty versus lefty matchup so typically you want to see a righty get out a righty but if you can sign righties and they if they can get out lefties then it's almost as good as a lefty it's just can you get a bunch of guys out that's why a closer is really valuable tanner scott would even be more valuable because he has closer experience and then you can decide between alzali and tanner scott and the Cubs still have a ton of depth, almost too much. And when you see what happens with depth in the minor leagues is guys will just leave if they don't have an opportunity. Jonathan Perlaza in back-to-back seasons slugged about 40 doubles and over 20 to 25 home runs at the AAA level. And then he left, I believe, to play the KBO, the Korean Baseball League. So that's the thing is the Cubs don't want to lose or DFA any high-level minor league players at the AAA level. So you can consolidate those with a trade. If you look at what the Dodgers did with, with trading us Michael Bush, Michael Bush was blocked by Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani and Max Muncy. There's just too, too many power lefties that are consistent hitters and known products. They said, screw this. We're not going to let him rot in the minor leagues. We're going to trade him. And they got something back. The Cubs need to do the same thing. And that makes sense to get a controllable reliever. Now, I'd be less inclined to do a trade of, of high-level talent if we didn't have multiple years of Tanner Scott. But I would I would think that would be an interesting trade if they could get any other reliever with two or more years of control. And that way they can establish a lockdown bullpen. My target, what's left mm -hmm. on the board, unfortunately, would be, would be Ryan Stanek. I shouldn't say unfortunately. He would be a legit target to add. It's unfortunate it wouldn't be a lefty. But... Stanek not only throws 98, a, a few ticks faster than Hector Neris, but he also has a splitter as well. So now you're talking about like a splitter factory. You got Mark Leder Jr. You got Shota Imanaga. You've got Hector Neris. And then if you add Ryan Stanek, that's, you know, you've got three relievers that could throw the splitter. And a splitter can also get ground balls just like a sinker. 
So it's like almost like a it's a slower version of a sinker in terms of laid drop and it's thrown like a fastball. So if the Cubs can can add ground ball pitchers and strikeout pitchers kind of in the same line, I think that's pretty valuable and pretty solid. So if they don't any add any other relievers, it would just be the Yancey Almonte trade, which we talked about in a previous mm-hmm. episode, the package with Michael Bush. Yancey Almonte is a slider type guy with a sinker, throws fast. He doesn't have like a splitter necessarily, so he may have uh, issues getting out lefties. Now, the last pot I heard uh, from Locked on Cubs was that the Cubs' recent minor league signing, CJ Edwards, who's returning to the Cubs, he has had an issue getting out lefties. And we've seen how badly it can go when relievers come on and they just can't get out lefties. That was a Wisniewski issue last year. That was an Alzali issue a year or two ago was, hey, he just can't get lefties out. What is he going to do? Adds a cutter, gets a different spin on the slider. There's a few things that pitchers can do, maybe a circle changeup, pitches that fade away from lefties. And that's where splitter is helpful. Mm-hmm. So my guy, Ryan Stanek, put up some pretty solid numbers last year. 24% K, 10% walk. That's a 14% difference. Unfortunately, a 4.09 ERA and a 4.6 FIP. So the FIP it's you not, don't like. <laughs> FIP is FIP is not it's not terrible, but it's it's you know, like we said, you know, you want it near four. Right. The good news with if they did acquire a guy like Stanek, just being speculative here. Mm-hmm. So his career K per nine is 10.5. So he's always striking out more than a batter for inning. And he does he does walk maybe a little bit more, more guys than he should. Okay. But his career strikeout percentage is about 28%. So that's above league average. His walk is a, is 12%. So that's above league average as well. But if you if you're a reliever and you're walking guys, as long as it's not egregious. And he trended down from 22 to 23. Now, if you can, if you walk some guys, but you can get ground balls or you strike out the batter right after the guy you walk or get a double play, it doesn't matter too much. Now, if you're walking guys and giving up hard contact, then you're going to be in trouble. So Ryan Stanek had a 1.24 whip last year, which is, it seems like that's close to league average. He had a 75% left on base percentage, and that was at 92% in 2022. So he has a career 209 average against, which means guys are only hitting close to you know, 200 to 210 against him. So he's not like giving up tons of contact. If you start to see the whip climb, walks and hits burnings pitch, you start to see the average climb and the walks, then you're going to start to see a higher ERA. So with Stanek, there's enough there to project him at least as seventh to eighth inning and some high leverage. But another thing that's that's might be a little segue here for CJ Edwards is the Cubs kind of need some guys that can bounce back and down, back down and up between the minor leagues and Chicago. And some guys that could do that would be, let's say, like maybe Keegan Thompson. Uh, the Cubs, or I, I should say Michael Rucker, but either of those guys might get DFA'd in order to create a spot. So that's, Cubs are actually running into a roster crunch issue. They signed Belly, the same thing would happen is they run into a roster crunch where you have to DFA guys. So, but if they do add relievers, 
the good news is you could take a little bit more time with guys like you mentioned, Bailey Horn. He's on the 40-man roster, and he can be optionable next year. Jose Quas, he could be optionable next year. That might be a guy that you like to bring up and down if there's injuries. And Danny P, Danny Palencia, those guys are on the 40-man roster, and they're optionable back to Iowa. That's important because it happens a lot. You deal with a lot of roster churn, and they're going to need guys like that. Unfortunately, some guys don't have minor league options to go back. Those guys have to be either put on the injured list or DFA'd. Yeah. I, you were going to, we were going to transition to CJ, right? Yes. So CJ, his numbers, I was just kind of looking at his numbers and they were a little bit, I believe, lower than, than what they were with us. His right. ERA was his ERA, I believe, dropped. Um, I want to say half half a point. Um, he does have. I heard that same thing as well about lefties is that he's just absolutely getting terrorized. I think was the quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's a little alarming. Um, but he's also on a minor league deal. Um, so if it was, you know, if it was a uh, like an actual contract for the majors, then I'd be more concerned about the signing. Right. So there's, there's definitely some leeway there to kind of, you know, maybe he, if he does really well and, or if there are injuries in our bullpen, maybe he could take one spot and see where that goes. Sure. I mean, the CJ thing is interesting because he's a crowd favorite and he, he did right. fall off his last year or two. His, right. his K for nine was pretty good. His walks ballooned as he got, <laughs> older and now he's going to be 32 his age 32 season and last year he had a 6.8 k's per nine so that's that's actually not great yeah (laughs) his his numbers in terms of just looking at raw the raw numbers 2022 was a 2.76 era and then a 3.69 era last year and has a career 3.54 era so if you look at cj as a whole his body of work he hasn't, when he's been bad, it's been in a small sample. I should say when he's been terrible, it's been in a small sample. When he hasn't been as good, let's say, he hasn't been getting destroyed. So there's there's a lot of depth there. If CJ is on a deal that allows him to not, you know, sometimes guys will sign a minor league deal to say, oh, well, I'm opting out if I don't make the team out of camp. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping the Cubs have a little bit more flexibility with their deal Say, hey, what about June, right? Sometimes guys have something like that too, and they might go to overseas, Japan, KBO, wherever it is, they might have an opt-out in their contract that says, if I'm not on the 40-man roster, I'm out. And Mm -hmm. so, sure, if CJ has that, that's understandable. But hopefully it's sometime in the middle of the year, that way they can use CJ, get him on the 40-man roster, get him in the bullpen, and see if they can improve his ability against lefties, see how is he still doing against righties, his strikeout numbers used to be really good, but mm-hmm. his his K percentage fell pretty dramatically last year. We mm-hmm. hovering, you know, at some point in early in his year, this shocked me when I looked at this this weekend after I saw they signed him. Mm-hmm. 38% in 2016 and 36% K rate in 2017. Those are elite numbers. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but it fell to 17% last year and a 12% walk. If you look at the gap between those two, we talked about like 10 to 15 being good or you know more than that's like pretty elite. 
five percent mm-hmm. gap, seventeen percent walk and twelve or seventeen percent K rate and twelve percent walk. That five percent difference between those two is not mm-hmm. good. Right. That means you're just allowing tons of guys on a one point five two whip, two fifty average versus when he was at his best, it was one twenty and one thirty average. I mean, talking about an elite pitcher that has fallen off and he may not be terrible yet, but he showed a lot of regression last year, and that's a, a bit concerning. But for a bullpen signing, uh, for I should say for a minor league signing, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I mean, if they can work out some kinks, great. If not, he can try to keep improving on it at AAA. Yeah, I agree. Like like I said, as a minor league deal, it makes sense to kind of build a little bit of depth. And as a, maybe if there's an injury that exists for some reason, you know, bullpens can sometimes be decimated by injuries and you're struggling. So, right. I mean, you're struggling to find, you know, some replacements. So yeah, he's definitely a piece to consider as just, you know, as a replacement. So for sure. Yeah. That's, if he if he makes it up, there might be other issues in the bullpen. But at, at this point, I'm thinking best case is Quas and Palencia have some time at AAA. Alzali, Neris, Merriweather, Leiter, guys mm-hmm. like that. And you see what you have in Wesneski. See what you have in, in terms in terms of Smiley. He actually mm-hmm. had a really solid second half to the year in the bullpen. Yeah. And the way his curveball works is he actually doesn't do as well against lefties. So he don't think of him as a lefty lefty dominant type reliever his curveball yeah. kind of works in a funky way it almost looks like a screwball like a like a hard sinker yeah or i should say a soft sinker <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it fades well against against righties too so smiley could eat some bulk innings but there was a lot to like there and so there's lots of guys with upside especially cj does have upside and his fastball has fallen a couple ticks but not not terribly it's not like it's 91 he was 96 and now closer to 94 so if he can rediscover a little bit more of what he had in 2016 to 2018 during that mm-hmm. time, the Cubs have actually got a solid bullpen. I I love another signing though, like you yeah. mentioned. Right. Another lefty signing, I think obviously Bellinger and another lefty slugger. I mean, that'd be amazing, but at least maybe two more bats for sure. Bellinger and someone else. And then, yeah, we're cooking. Jed's, yeah. Jed would definitely be cooking then. Yeah. So. I'm just one last thing here is I just at this point with the Michael Bush signing and the way their roster is already tight, it's hard for me to see them getting another, especially it's almost February here. Right. It's hard for me to see them getting two lefties, even though I love like Belly and then Brandon Belt as the two signings. They'd have to be taking on a very limited role in the offense in terms of a platoon role. You know, that's something that they could sign, but it'd have to be a power bat that's also platooning and not playing all the time which pains me to say that that's what they might do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you've mentioned Brandon Belt before, and I think he's definitely one of those candidates that I could see the Cubs signing. They, you know, like yeah. a Trey Man- a Trey Mancini type of signing where they're willing to take a little bit lower deal, maybe a one or two year deal. And he's all, he's obviously older too. So I don't think he, you know, wouldn't mind. He's won, you know, world series titles with the giants. So yeah, I don't he- think he'd mind coming to Chicago. I wouldn't mind having him shoot. <laughs> he he did well platooning and that's what maybe would sell him is okay you can get two to three hundred at bats you know but mm-hmm. you'll be able to do better in that role in certain matchups and then if that's what he takes you don't need to play him every day so that right. that might be better for us exactly 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us here on the Brotherly Cubs podcast. If you have thoughts on today's podcast, comment them below. Or if you have another interesting topic, let us know. Hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, or join the conversation with us on Twitter at Brotherly Cubs or Spotify, also at Brotherly Cubs. We are also on Apple Podcasts now, too, as well. Uh, so search Brotherly Cubs, and we will be there. I am John, and this is my brother, Zach, and we will see you next week. Adios. Adios. Go Cubs. Listen to this crowd.